once heard, uh, I hear this all the time actually, it's not something that I once heard or heard one time, but it's something you hear often. When men and women get together and talk about movies and women say things like, I don't understand why men are always quoting The Godfather. What is it about that movie? Um, you know, there are, there are shows that we call rom-coms, romantic comedies. Some people will call them chick flicks. If there was ever a guy flick, uh, it would probably be the, the Godfather series. <laughs> I don't think there's anything in The Godfather that appeals to women. Um, but... If you've ever seen that movie or movies like it, you'll be able to finish my sentences. Another thing that men are not good at doing is finishing sentences. Um, but you could probably finish mine, fellas. It's not personal. It's, hey, you've, you, okay. Uh, it's not personal. It's not personal. It's business, right? That's something you would hear. Uh, in movies like The Godfather or mob movies. or The whole idea is that you keep personal things personal and you keep business things business and you don't mix the two. Alright? Today what we discover in God's Word is that ministry is personal. Church ministry is personal. It's not business. Now there are certainly aspects to being a church and a church recognized as a corporation or a non-profit corporation in a, in a society like ours. There are things that churches have to do. They have, we have to be business savvy in some ways in order to exist as a recognized entity in our world. But when it comes to the life of the church, when it comes to the gospel, church is not a business. Church is a family. And your ministry, the impact of your ministry is personal. It's the people that you have around you. It's your family. Your family comes first. Your husband, your wife, your children, your household. And then your church family is very, very personal. It is not a business. Today we're in Romans chapter 15 again, starting in verse 14. And we discover this about the Apostle Paul. That church ministry is personal ministry. And we just came off of a section of scripture where Paul says, uh, he, he says some pretty hard things, doesn't he? Throughout the book of Romans, he doesn't, he doesn't mince words. You don't get this super tolerant feel from the Apostle Paul. He, he means business when it comes to the gospel. He's serious. He takes it very seriously, but he does so. Why? Because of the people that he's sharing the gospel with and those that he's writing to are people that we read are called the saints, the holy ones. Children of the living God. Brothers and sisters in Christ. And so he's like, we're going to have some very frank conversations. 
And I want you to think about these things seriously. And I'm going to talk to you like brothers and sisters. And there are going to be some hard things that I talk about. But now we get to the end of all of that. And he says, starting in verse 14, he says, And concerning you, reading through verse 21, Concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. And I have written very boldly to you on some points, so as to remind you again, because of the grace that was given me from God, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest of the gospel of God, that my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. For I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And thus I aspire to preach the gospel not where Christ was already named, that I may not build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Let's pray together. Father, as we bow our heads to you, Lord, we know that your word does not return to you empty or void, but that it accomplishes something in us every time you send it out. So God, we pray that would be the case today, that you would align our hearts and minds with your heart and your mind. Father, that we would be encouraged by your word today, that we would be challenged, that you would do as you often do, that you would prick our hearts, that you would awaken us, that you would illuminate us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That something would happen today, specifically in our hearts, Lord. That would continue to transform us into the person that you have us to be. So God, we ask that you do your work. That you draw us ever closer to your son. And God, that we would experience more of that transformation today. May it be true in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 14, Paul wraps up all of these hard sayings, all of this tough talk, saying, I am convinced. I am convinced that God, who began a good work in you, like he says to the Philippians, he will finish it. He will complete it. When I see what God is doing in your midst, I'm encouraged. What is he encouraged by? He says, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to to admonish one another. Paul basically says in this part of his letter, he, he wraps it all up in this saying, saying, this is why I wrote to you. This is the reason I wrote to you. And there are basically two major things here that we need to keep in mind. Number one, 
he wrote to them, he tells them that he wrote to them first to remind them of how they are able to be a church. How they are able to continue to be the church that God wants them to be. That's the first thing. The second thing is he wants them to know that he's writing them because of personal reasons. That is, the reason for his letter, the occasion of his letter, is something that God has done in his life personally. You heard Tommy mention earlier that we're going to hear testimony. Testimony and baptism. Baptism is a visual testimony of someone's decision to follow Christ. Not only their decision to follow Christ, but the work that Christ has done in them. And the whole picture of being buried with Christ in baptism and raised to walk a new life is that picture of new life, transformation. Behold, the old man is gone. The new man is arisen. To walk in newness of life. Paul is saying that his ministry, which is in, which his writing of Romans is part of, is not just part of Paul's vocational ministry. It's not just part of his ministerial timeline. When we think of the way that the Lord has used you in your life, you might think of it in stages. The Lord used me in this way here, and then he used me here, and God took us to this church, and we were part of this ministry in this place. That's not what Paul's Paul's saying. My ministry to you is an overflow, an implication, an extension of the personal change that God has made in my life. And do you know that's what God wants to do in your life? He doesn't just want to give you a story. We talk a lot about stories today. What is your story? When did you come to know the Lord? What came next? Well, then I was discipled. And then I learned this thing. And then I learned that thing. And I went to this place. No, it's not just about chapters in your story. It's that at every step in your journey of faith, God wants to work powerfully through you to do something in other people that otherwise wouldn't happen. Ministry is personal. And, and if you're not yielded to the Spirit of God and willing to be used by God, there are people all around you in your mission field, in your family, those relationships that you have, that those human beings, those souls will not be changed by circumstances or, or worldly wisdom or any of those other things. God wants to change those people through you. It's personal. The ministry that God has for the people in you, for, 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 for your mission field, the people that you know, He wants to do it through you. So Paul is saying here, this is why I have written the book of Romans. To remind you of how you are able to continue to be a church and I'm writing to you because of my own personal transformation. Now he says in verse 14, I want you to notice the personal flavor in verse 14. He says, I'm convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to, what? Admonish one another. See, that's the continuing to be a church. Paul 
admonishes them. He tells Timothy and Titus, these two young pastors, he said, this is how you pastor, this is how you elder in a church. You encourage, you admonish. You cannot lead, you cannot serve without getting your hands dirty. Without getting your elbows dirty. You're going to rub shoulders with other souls. And those souls, many times, are not nice. Sometimes they're mean. Sometimes they're rude. Sometimes they, they, they come kicking and screaming. It's the ugliness of ministry. But this is how you continue to be a church. You have to continue to do ministry personally. See, as a church planter, I, when I went through church planter training and assessment and all those things, read all these books about how to plant churches and how churches are revitalized and all this stuff, and there are all these systems that people try to build and put into place. The same is true for you if you're trying to live the Christian life. You'll see many books on the bookshelf that tell you how to live a victorious Christian life. Steps 1 through 5 or 10 or 12. Here are some principles. Here are some steps. There's nothing wrong with those things. But growing as a Christian and staying healthy and growing as a church is not a step-by-step plan as much as it is a dynamic relationship with the Lord. That you can't always map out. You can't always structure. You can't always put it as a step one, two, three. It has to be a personal dynamic. And it takes things like this, admonishing one another. Having a difficult conversation with a brother or sister. The Holy Spirit's convicting you about. And you're afraid of being judgmental and you don't want to have that conversation with them. Listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Do it in kindness. Do it in love. But there are a lot of conversations you might need to have with your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your friends in the faith, your church members, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. It is personal. Now he says in verse 15, he says, I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given to me. Now this is where he shifts gears. He says to the church, remember, ministry is personal. You have to admonish one another. You have to continue in how you began. And then he starts to talk about how it was personal for him. Not only personal for him, but personal for other apostles and other disciples. Keep your finger there in Romans 15 and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Now this is a time where Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he wants to distinguish himself and those others who are ministering with him others that are traveling on missionary journeys with him people like Barnabas and Silas people like Timothy and Luke and he says we're not like others there's a difference between our ministry and others out there who are claiming to be sent by the Lord apostles if you will in chapter 2 verse 15, he says, We are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved, among those who are perishing. To the one, an aroma from death to death, to 
the other an aroma from life to life. That is, Paul is saying, it's personal. We're getting close with people. And some of those people, when they, when they hear the gospel and when they see us and when they encounter us and when we share our lives with them and we give them everything we have, they reject it. The gospel that we give, the gospel of life, ends up being an aroma of death to them because they say no. But others, oh, it's, a, it's an aroma of life to life. They say yes. He says this is a ministry that we're part of. He says in verse 17, For we are not like many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity. But as from God, we speak in Christ in the sight of God. Now, I want you to remember that in verse 17, in the sight of God. Because in a minute, he's going to shift gears in Romans 15. And he's going to talk about how his ministry is literally worship. Worship. His ministry is worship. Now, when we talk about the five functions of the church, sometimes we talk about ministry and we talk about worship, which is true. But here, Paul is saying that his ministry is the most refined kind of worship in his life. That ministry is not something that he does practically and then worship is something that he does when he, just when he gathers once a week with the saints and it's more spiritual. But no, he's going to say, no, my ministry is an act of worship. That's what he's saying here in verse 17. We speak in Christ in the sight of, of God. He's saying we have an audience of how many? One. We have an audience of one. And then, again, he says here in chapter 3, verse 1, 2 Corinthians, as we just moved down, he asked the question, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need as some letters of commendation to you or from you? See, that's what you do when people don't know you. If you apply for a job, what do you do for that, hopefully, your future employer? What do you send to them? You send them a resume. And what do you usually have on your resume at the bottom, at the very end? References. Why? Because they don't know you. And so Paul's saying, this is what many people were doing. They would try to gain popularity. You know, they would try to make their video go viral or something like that. People would know who they are. And then when they show up, people would be like, oh, you must be Paul. We've heard so much about you. You have great standing. We respect you. Paul says, you don't need letters of recommendation from us or to us, about us. Why? He says, you are our letter. It's not business. It's personal. You know us. You are our letter, he says, written in our hearts, known and read by all, being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. You see the distinction he makes there? It's not business, it's personal. It's not secular, it's spiritual. It's dynamic. God is doing something here. Not... On tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And such confidence we have through Christ toward God. We see it again. This idea of worship 
in Colossians chapter 1. Turn a few pages over to Colossians chapter 1. We start to get the picture of why it is that Paul ministers the way that he does and how the early church had begun. The things that he wants them to continue in. Now he says in Colossians 1, starting in verse 24, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church. In filling up all that which is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God, bestowed on me for your benefit that I might fully carry out the preaching of the Word of God. You see it again there? He says he's suffering. He's suffering in his body for the sake of Christ's body. It's personal. He says in verse 25, I was made a minister. This is a stewardship from God. That is, Paul sees his ministry as that which God has given to him and he is dedicating it back to God. As a matter of fact, as we continue down in Romans, if you go back to Romans chapter 15, he says in verse 16, as he makes this shift to talk more about himself personally and how ministry is personal for him, verse 16, he says, that the grace was given to him. You see that phrase there of stewardship? God has given this to me. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Ministering, he says, as a priest. The gospel of God. That my offering of the Gentiles might become acceptable, sanctified... By the Holy Spirit. What do you think he's talking about there? Paul was not of the tribe of Levi, was he? Is he saying he was literally a priest? We can go to the book of Hebrews, which most people think Paul wrote. And he completely obliterates the, the old idea of priesthood being finished and completed in Christ. Christ sat down at the right hand of God. He finished the priestly work. And Paul contrasted and compared. He says, whereas in the Old Testament and even in Judaism, then in the New Testament, you might have this idea of people bringing sacrifices. He says, Christ is the one true high priest who finished the work. This is, this is why we don't have an altar in a Christian church. We don't, we don't bring things to an altar and sacrifice things to God. It's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. That's the only altar that we celebrate because Jesus Christ has done the work. Amen? And the work is finished. And that's where our hope is. And that's where our salvation is in the finished work of Christ. And so Paul's not saying he's literally a priest here. It's certainly not in the Old Testament sense. He's saying what, what's happened is, is that God has chosen him and said, I want you who right now is a persecutor of the church. Paul says that he used to persecute the church. He was there when Stephen was stoned to death. 
He was actively pursuing members of the early church. And God said, I'm going to save you. I'm going to open up your eyes and reveal my son in you. And you are going to take on this ministry to the Gentiles. And you're going to serve me. And it's going to be your life. It's not going to be something you do on the side. It's going to have personal implications for you. You're going to suffer in your body. You're going to suffer like Job suffered. You're going to lose things. You're going to be embarrassed. You're going to be imprisoned. You're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be mocked. Paul says this was a ministry entrusted to him. And he's saying he's a priest offering up the Gentiles, offering up that ministry to God. He's saying, I do what I do as worship to God. And if you church in Rome do not continue this ministry personally as a stewardship from God to witness to the nations, to make disciples of the nations, to disciple your children and your grandchildren and to be light and salt in the world. If you don't continue that and do it personally and make it your life, the church will not be the same. The ministry will not be the same. That's why he says to them in verse 14 that the goal of his ministry was to get them to a place where they would take that mantle on and admonish and encourage one another just as he was doing. You don't need, listen, you don't need an apostle in your church to do that. You don't need a gifted preacher or teacher or evangelist to do that. What you need and what we need and what every church needs is the Spirit of God and people willing to hear His voice and to be obedient. So in verse 17, he says, Therefore in Christ Jesus, if you look along in your copy of the Scriptures, he says, Therefore in Christ Jesus I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. Now we look in other places in the New Testament, he says there's no room for boasting when it comes to salvation. We've been saved by what? Grace through faith. Not of works. And the salvation that he gives us is the gift of God. So what does he what does he mean here about boasting? If he has reason for boasting, what is he boasting in? He says, the only thing that I boast in is the work of Christ. The work of Christ in you, the work of Christ in me. What Jesus has done in my life. And the pages of the New Testament are littered with Paul's personal testimony. He says, this is what distinguishes us from these other false teachers. We have taken it personally. We haven't compartmentalized our ministry. We work with our hands with you. We suffer with you. We weep with you. We shepherd you. Not at arm's length, but with you, among you. 
And we have reason for boasting because we've seen what God has done. And finally, in verses 18 through 21, he says, I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. Resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. This is what Paul is looking for in his ministry. How many of you are parents? Got some parents in the room? Boy, it's great to hear your kids say, I love you, isn't it? So powerful. Especially when it's just out of the blue. I love you, Dad. I love you, Mom. When our kids grow up in our homes and they leave our homes and they maybe start families of their own, the real fruit of that time together in the family, what is it that we want to see? What is it that we hope to see? We want to see fruit, don't we? We want to see obedience. We want to see those seeds of teaching and admonishing and encouraging and all the things that you did as a parent. We, you want to see those things flower, right? You want to see them come to a mature adult. Paul is saying the same thing here. He says, we boast in Christ. We boast in what Christ has done. I'm not going to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me and through the church. You want to know what is worth boasting in? Is seeing the work of Christ in the hearts of people that results in what only the Holy Spirit can do. And that is the obedience of faith. When we see it mature and flower and Paul saying, that's what I hope for you church. And I'm encouraged by you already but what I want to see, what I will rejoice in and what I will boast in is what the Lord Jesus Christ does in and among you. Look, so when it comes to looking at is our church healthy? When I say our church, there are two churches represented here today, so I guess I'm speaking to two. Are our churches healthy? Are we going in the direction that God wants us to go? Paul gives us the recipe for that right here. Are you admonishing one another? Can you boast in Christ and what he's doing? Listen, churches boast about things. People, Christians boast about things all the time that have nothing to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. Look at how many people we had in church on Sunday. Look at how many people uh, we baptized. Look at how many people we have in our worship ministry. Look how many people in our children's ministry or whatever. Look, look at the amount of dollars that we gave to missions or whatever. And these are all good things. These are not bad things. But let's be careful of what we boast in. Let's follow Paul's example here in the example of Scripture that what we would boast in is the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts and lives of people. The work that Jesus himself is actually doing. Amen? Will you rejoice with God? Will you look for those types of things to boast in? I'll be honest with you. I get discouraged at times in the ministry because my eyes are on the wrong things. Emily will tell you. We have conversations all the time and she's constantly bringing me back. She's saying, what are we focusing on here? It's hard, isn't it? As a Christian. To not be distracted 
Not just by the things of the world, but even the things in the Christian world, in the religious world. The factors that we look at. But God so lovingly encourages us in his word today. That the work of Christ is what we should boast in. And he is working. Now look at verse 19. He says, In the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and roundabout as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Illyricum is the area on the way towards the Slavic area of Asia Minor, towards the northeast. Listen, Paul has put some miles on his old body. He has been everywhere. But it's not the geographical area that he's covered. Sometimes we think that that's it. If, if we can cover more ground, if we get more missionaries, if we go to more places, if we hand out more flyers, if we advertise and market more on social media, if we get the word out and all these things, that that's good. Paul says, listen, I've been to all of these places. But his encouragement is not in where he's been. It is in that what he says that he has fully preached the gospel. That he's fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep your finger there and turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I want you to see this again here in verse 5 as he opens up his letter to the church in Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 5. He says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in what? Power. And in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There's that word full again. He's talking about the conviction. They have full conviction just as you know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. This is what Paul is talking about. He's saying ministry is not business. If ministry were business, it would all be about nickels and noses or whatever they say. How many people are in the seats? The budget. How many missionaries we send out? Blah, 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 blah. If it were a business, that's how we would probably think about it. But it's not. It's personal. Paul says, it's about what type of people you prove to be with one another. Who are you proving to be with the people that are sitting around you? How are you living in fellowship with one another? He says, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, we have seen God do amazing things that only He can do. You saw Heather and Kobe stand up here a while ago. You remember where we were last year? We were praying for God to save Kobe. And here he is. When I look at Tom and Susanna Anderson, I think about their story of how they got here. When I look at so many of you and I see what God has done, and I hear your story, your testimony, and I see where you are now and what God is doing, 
I am convinced of the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced that God is still doing miracles and that He's still moving. I believe in the power of prayer. Do you? Amen? It's personal. It matters how much you travail in prayer on your knees for one another. And how much you care for one another personally. Sometimes we think that ministry success and ministry faithfulness is about gospel saturation. That's a phrase we use in ministry a lot. Gospel saturation. Where should we go? Tommy Thomas has been a faithful missionary in our state for many years. And he'll tell you that in our denomination... There are strategies that abound. Well, there are more people in the Phoenix metro area than all the rest of the state of Arizona. That's where we should focus our missionaries. Why? Because there are more human beings there. Saturate that area. If we can saturate Phoenix and Tucson, then we're doing the work of the Lord. And Tommy is going to have been a voice to advocate for all the rest of the souls who live all across the rest of the state. personal ministry to people believing that the God that, that, that the God of the New Testament is at work not just in places saturated with souls but all across the world when we send missionaries when we support them we don't put our hope in the fact that they're ministering among millions of people so the chances of souls coming to Christ are higher in those areas See, that's, that's religious strategy. Now, we believe in the God of the Bible. That faithful and successful ministry is not gospel saturation, but it is fully preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever God sends you and has you. Paul says, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. That is my hope. That is my boasting. So he says in verse 20 and 21, Thus I aspire to teach the gospel, to preach the gospel, not where Christ was already named, that I might not build upon another man's foundation. But as it is written, they who had no news of him shall see, and they who have not heard shall understand. Brothers and sisters, the healthy and faithful church of tomorrow will cost you and will cost me personally. I know that there are many people who have visited our church in the last six years. and Some have shouldered some of the weight with us along the way and I had, I've had candid conversation with people who said, you know what, Pastor... This is too hard. Planting a church is too hard. There's just a lot of work involved. And we need to go somewhere to be fed. And I, and I understand it. I get it. But it doesn't matter where you are. You can be here in a, in a cafeteria unloading and loading a trailer every week and setting up signs and doing all, the, all this grimy stuff or... You can show up to a 
massive, beautiful building and walk in seconds before the worship service starts and leave and beautiful facilities and staff and all these things. It, it doesn't matter what your church looks like. It doesn't matter where your church is or where your ministry is. It will always be, if it's min- the ministry of Christ, it will always be personal. So whatever you're doing in this church or if you're, if you're from our sister church in Casablanca, it, will, it should always be personal. It should always cost you personally. Ministry should always hurt. It should always sting. You will, if you leave a church because of personal problems with other people, you will never mature. You will never grow up. You will never know Christ the way He wants you to know Him. You will stifle your own spiritual growth. The healthy and faithful church of tomorrow will cost you personally today. Paul says, I am confident in you, church of Rome, because of what I see. And what I see is I see you admonishing one another. You know the gospel. You've been changed by the gospel. You're being transformed by the gospel. I see you ministering to one another even when it's difficult, even when you don't want to. I have faith. I can boast in what Christ is doing among you. Because you don't think of it as a business. You take it personally.